Infinity Wars. Episode 0012. Die hard for speed today. Yippee motherfucker. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 0012 of the Movie Wars podcast. 12, my lucky number. Is it really? No. Okay. I made that up. I'm just stoked to be here. You don't seem like a guy that believes in lucky numbers. It's a terrible number. Nobody <laughs> likes it. What is it doing being a multiple of three? What business is that of yours? Yeah, I like prime numbers only, so, you know, any of those multiple numbers can go to hell. There are 12 episodes of the Movie Wars podcast, just like there are 12 days of Christmas, just like Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And there are 12 months in the year. <laughs> just like the movie 12 Monkeys. <gasps> 12 Monkeys, underrated. It's got Bruce Willis in it. So Amen. We might get to that. We might. Amen. We should. It's great. Well, uh, hey, babe, I negotiate million-dollar deals for breakfast. I'm your host, Kyle. Cans. They were just cans. I'm Drew. <laughs> and I'm Phil, and this is just some advice. Relationships that start during intense circumstances never work. We should um, start it under the basis of sex. What was yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I guess we'll just have to go on sex then. That's what it was. The, ca- the callback on that quote was a little ridiculous. We'll get to that. For but that you was- all that don't know sex is when the penis <laughs> enters perfect day phil has concocted some amazing old fashions last time you brought the scotch for braveheart i did we're drinking old fashions no correlation to either of these movies but it's always great to have a hey they there. were definitely serving these at the nagasaki christmas party or whatever <laughs> Nagatomi. Nagatomi. <laughs> but uh, we're talking about die hard versus speed today two fantastic films and uh so much fun it's great to have some action in our lives after a little bit of a war war score when we talked about glad and Braveheart, but where I want to start today is I uh, I didn't mean to do this, but I'm reading Arnold's autobiography, Total Recall, right now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you just read it by accident. Is, it, it, by is accident. it him recalling his life? Yeah. And, totally. And what's funny about, yeah, totally recalling. And it's funny because there's a whole chapter about Total Recall in it. Wow. There would be. What's funny is- How do you remember? Well, Total it's Recall. A re- it's a recall joke. They oh, store oh, it for you. Oh, yeah. gosh. I'm trying to recall what humor is. Um <laughs> What's funny, you know, and it's written in the Arnold way. Like, one of the things I've learned about reading it is that Arnold doesn't feel negativity. Like, it doesn't matter what happens to him. him. (laughs) He's one of those manifest destiny guys. Like, you read it, you would think nothing ever bad happened in his life. Although, you know, some bad shit happens, especially there towards the end with his Maria Shriver. But one of the things that was really interesting that coincided reading that with this podcast is that he he talks about the, the evolution of action. And now, here we are in 2021, it's really easy to go back and look at his one liners and think they're corny. But at the time, he talks about how they were so important for the growth of the action genre. Stick around. Yeah, right? Let off some steam. He talks about how uh, up until Arnold came to prominence, action movies were known as stiff. They were for a very specific crowd. They were violent. They didn't attract everyone. And for some reason, he felt like his European accent was, it made one-liners funny. So he they got to a point where they became so popular, they were getting test screenings back of people saying, I'm glad that there was funny. It relieved the tension. So he loved putting these one-liners in these action movies to kind of add tension or relieve tension for people that don't typically enjoy that kind of violence. So he talks about that evolution. Then he talks about doing Predator about how all of a sudden action was this genre where you could almost be a hybrid. We're going to add sci-fi. We can add comedy. Action is not just something where stuff blows up and we're just stiff and we're w- moving forward. We can take take this genre to new places. And I think that is our direct path to these two films because you got Bruce Willis, who is not Arnold. All right, Bruce Willis is fantastic. No, but he's, he's Bruce. He's in good shape. And, and in fact, I had to think about it because, you know, one of the big things about Bruce Willis and Die Hard is he's not ripped. He's not jacked. He's in great shape, okay? His he's biceps. In good shape. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say he's 
every man. No. Yeah, he's he's like every man compared to some he of the men. He does the whole movie barefoot. Yes, he is some kind of man. But he's not, you know, we had Stallone and we had Arnold just jacked out of their minds. I mean, if you've seen any of the Rocky movies after Rocky 1 and seen that tan Rambo, that sweaty, oily Sylvester, I mean, then you got Arnold. I mean, he's definitely a departure from that. Yeah. But his personality is not one of, like, if you didn't know what Die Hard was about when you see that first scene, you're like, this guy is just like me sitting on a plane. He's, you know, he's in coach. He's just a, he's an everyman. He's not being flown out to a jungle, you know, with his pulsating muscles in the camera. I mean, he's just kind of an everyman. Although Keanu <laughs> in Speed is a little bit more, I would say, in that traditional line. He's, he's still, everier man. He's still everier man. He's he's <laughs> he's in good shape, but he's not jacked steroid bodybuilder out of his mind. He's kind of a guy you can relate to. Keanu's kind of this flat, you know, in terms of his vocab and the way he talks. He's just relatable. Your right? hands. What if Keanu's? They're just cans. They're just cans. Give me your hand. I'm a Keanu lifer. Can, can, man, plan. Was he the first lifer Keanu. for me Keanu? On, this, on the show? I feel was like he he's the first, the first lifer for a lot of people. Well, I mean, people on the show. I mean, him. was he the first person I ever said I was a lifer for? I, I think so. I would have to refer back to previous episodes. Because I've seen, I bought all three John Wicks on 4K, I'm even more of a Keanu <laughs> lifer still haven't seen that. than I was. You're so ride or die for Keanu. Oh, he is it. my boy. But I love this. And so, but aside from having kind of that everyman mentality, even though, let's admit it, these everyman are just a little slightly every more every or mannery every than man. the other <laughs> more everyman than the others i also love this the, what connects these movies is containerization. Yes. I was thinking about this on the way over here. You know what distinguishes action movies from other movies? Playgrounds. Tropes. We love tropes in action movies. We're okay with it. We, we love buildings. Rule. We love vehicles. Yeah. yeah we talked about this with RoboCop and Terminator. It's like, oh, how convenient. It ends. They're in another steel, factory, steel yeah. mill in a factory that's broke down and abandoned. It's like, oh, great. There's always, if you're in an action movie with a robot, there's always a, a steel mill around the corner that you Absolutely. can finish the movie Steam in. Steam coming off a of side. Something and some yeah. there's some like live wire on the ground flashing a smelting strokes. pool rusty with pipe. molten metal yep. down at the bottom. Yeah, but we love that. That's what action is. And and although there are tropes in these two movies, they they have something different. The playgrounds, like we think about Predator, we'll go back to that. The the jungle is a big playground. I mean, they got the waterfall scene, totally. the mud. We have a building and a bus, and yes. we have our everyman stuck in these areas doing their thing. And that is just a cool evolution of a genre. And I, I love that. I just happened to be reading this book at the same time because it really painted this picture of action was stagnant. Arnold Sylvester come in. We change it a little bit. It gives rise to Die Hard and Speed, and we get these twists on a really great genre. So, Drew, you want to kick us off with what your experience are with these films? And I would love to. I, I recently saw Die Hard. I never saw it until about a year ago. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I only wow. knew of it as a Friends fan. I only... How'd you even do that? Certainly didn't. <laughs> I, 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 you certainly I was... weren't living hard. Well, yeah. I mean, I was born in 88, so the movie came out when? 80, 89. 88, 89. Yeah. So I was a baby, and it's rated it? R. And 88. Just, you know, never got to it. But watching it, I kind of had the same feeling I had when I first heard Stevie Wonder. When I first heard Stevie You're Wonder... You're wondering where I, the terrorists are. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, like, we, when Stevie was singing, I'm like, this explains so much totally. music. Like, I, it, was, it was weird to me hearing someone in the 60s and 70s sing, like, it felt like, oh, that explains all of these artists that I love today. And so that's kind of how I felt when I was watching Die Hard. I was like, how is a movie this old, this uh, current? And so I really, really just fell in love with it. I loved Bruce Willis. Yeah, like you said already, Kyle, beautifully, like the departure from the hulking action hero, the, you know, Van Dams and Stallones of the world and like just much more accessible, uh, you know, leading man. Speed, I, do, I think I saw when I was a kid. I think I liked it. I don't really remember, but it was, you know, so much fun just rewatching 
watching it for this and and seeing obviously it's so derivative it totally rips off Die Hard but in a wonderful way it's not you know it's like oh it's just it takes the format and puts it on a bus and I think it's more there's a little more charm to it I think than Die Hard Die Hard there's humor but it's just kind of on the fringe characters there's not a lot of emotional fun sweet moments within the characters themselves to me speed watching Keanu and and Sandra Bullock kind of fall in love and have those moments and like it just sort of endeared you to those characters and uh yeah love speed love Die Hard excited to get into it Die Hard it's a movie I've kind of just seen multiple times throughout my life and it is a fairly traditional holiday film for my wife and I we both enjoy watching it it's uh just because of the fact that it takes place on Christmas Eve it's an action movie but with a lot of comedic relief and you know Alan Rickman who can you can be Hans Gruber all day long but you'll always be Severus Snape in my book rest in peace Alan Rickman he delivers the goods in that movie and he's a lot of fun to watch it's it's just a fun funny action film it toes the line really well between a movie that is purely action and also kind of bizarre comedy like the cops mm. in that film are so good funny <laughs> and weird Johnson and Johnson Johnson and Johnson no the relation. FBI thing and hey man yeah <laughs> I and, love when he's on the phone he's like this is Agent Johnson no the other one the other one <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then, I mean, I'm not going to lie. One of my favorite lines in that film is like, well, you just got butt fucked on national television, <laughs> Dwayne. And the way he says Dwayne is just, it's uh, so Dwayne. just, just, yeah, dismissive and condescending. Just and like Saigon, eh? <laughs> I, I was, was in Vietnam, <laughs> dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or was he, was he said I was in middle school or something like that? Anyway, what did I say? Vietnam. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Just like Saigon, huh? <laughs> I was in junior high, dickhead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was almost like there was this reverence for the cops in the form of Reginald Ville Johnson, and then there was also this bizarre mockery of the federal system. police forces uh-huh. and the system and all that. And and Die Hard just, man, that movie is it's a joy to watch and it brings the goods and it's and it's got the Christmas thing and it's got the action thing and the comedy thing and Bruce Willis being Bruce Willis and, and Alan Rickman being Hans Gruber the ultimate like sophisticated terrorist uh, it's amazing. Speed is one of those that like I feel like I've seen it on television over and over again throughout the years which means there were commercial breaks and I never got to watch it all the way through but for this podcast I watched it all the way through and that is just a white knuckler from mm-hmm. start to mm. finish It's not like, a good movie to watch on TV because no. the pacing is flawless The pacing yeah. is flawless. It's it, go go. There's not a break like you go from the elevator scene to the bus blowing up to the next bus scene to it's just it, it's to the relentless. ramp on the freeway to, to then homeboy kidnaps Sandra Bullock and then it's it's just more action yep. like that is a long day and and that's a that's a really intense movie so point. love both of these films really stoked to be here talking about them yeah these movies are weird for me it's funny my family really has no traits of a traditional family uh, no unity none of those lovey dovey things but we were an Arnold and Stallone family. I grew up watching Arnold movies. I did watch a. I did watch a lot of Keanu movies, but I like we just keep talking about Arnold and yeah. Stallone. I know. <laughs> They're I know. not in either They're of these movies. Either of these, I know, but, but it's they the exist. arc of so action. back to his memoir. Back to his memoir. This is a great book. Let me just tell you what I've read so far. There was a weird aversion to Bruce Willis. I don't know why. It's not that we disliked him. It's just we were an Arnold and Stallone. Family. Wasn't bulky enough. Wasn't bulky enough. In fact, we skipped Willis, and for some reason, we went to S- Steven Seagal in Under Siege. Like, no, we, why? We, I know. And John. Claude Van Damme. We were fine with all them, but for some reason, Die Hard was just was not good enough for my drunken family. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if there were, I don't know if made-for-TV movies were a thing in the 80s and the early 
90s, but like Steven Seagal and John Claude Van Damme were like made for TV actors. You That's kind of what they're soldier. Right? Yeah. yeah. They're just, they're, they're typecasted and yeah. they exist Tom and Selleck. no one cares. I, I ended up watching, so I watched Speed and I, I I was either or on Speed. I think I think for some reason it being on a bus didn't do anything for me when I was younger. And I also, I hate to say it guys and feel free to roast me. I'm not a Sandra Bullock. Oh, that sounds like some. Sandra I would marry Keanu guy. right now. I would marry Keanu if he walked in this room right now and proposed. I would, and, and you know that could still happen. Okay, but she's so gosh dang adorable in this oh, movie. Oh God, yeah, she is spectacular in this movie. And let me just tell you why. If they brought in some smoke show model type, some just like super sexy actress, you'd be just like, oh, that's that's the Megan Fox of the day, or you know whatever. Yeah. Like you'd be distracted. You wouldn't care about her character. You'd God, be like, oh, she's the hot point. chick. But Sandra, she she's very unassuming. You don't really think about it, but she just kind of wears you down. Like you slowly are like, oh my gosh, I think I might be falling for this girl. Like she's she's the chick that everybody ends up marrying. And that's, and there's a reason for that. She's, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like when she was rallying him, she's like, we need you. These people on this bus need you. Come on. Is it John? What's his name? Yeah, Jack. She gets mad at him. Yeah. She's like, Jack, you scared me, Jack. Like that whole thing. She's like pissed at him for risking his life. It's like you can see there's a a relationship growing. Yeah. Yeah. I will give you that. That was the moment he was like, I'm going to wife this chick. Yeah. wife to fuck out you. As soon as she was upset about the baby and he said, cans. They yes. were just cans. Dude, her, by the way, real quick, her reaction in that scene when they hit the stroller was very believable. Uh-huh. Mm. She, man, okay. she brought it. Okay. My wife does that every time I hit a rabbit or something. Yeah, like every every time I hit a baby, my wife does the same thing. <laughs> you every stole, time I hit a box yeah. of you cans, stole my I, say, yeah. I say, they were cans. You, you guys kind of just sold me a little bit. You guys just said some things I haven't thought about. I don't know why I'm so resistant to Sandra Bullock, but you're because right. Because her last she, name is... Congeniality? Did that yeah, do, that it might traumatize be you? What's really crazy to think about is that this is her foray. I mean, but she has a ton of films. 87, Hangman, 89, uh, Fool and His Money. Uh, and then she has a she has a ton of movies before this. She has Demolition Man, which I think was kind of her leapfrog. But then Speed, and then the next year we get While You Were Sleeping in the Net, which were her two big. It's kind of crazy to think that in this movie, you know, Keanu had established himself because we have gotten we've received point break. We we know who he is. She does a great job here. You're right. I I I recant. She's she's very she's actually a good actress in this movie. She is. Like aside from just being the cute girl next door kind of vibe, she delivers. So anyway, I watched these movies a lot later. I I when I moved to Nashville, I lived by myself. I didn't have a microwave, but I had a Netflix physical disc subscription. That's what and matters. I slept on a futon and I priority. I, I you were just, one of those early adopters. I was. I watched movies. That's all I did. I drank wine and watched movies. That was my early twenties living in Nashville, waiting for a guitar gig to come. I had a along. streaming Netflix or a account wife. in 09. Or a wife, which that that's what ended up happening. I had a streaming Netflix account in 09 and I watched Blue Mountain State. That's what sold me. I was trying to watch The Walking Dead. I could not figure out how to make it work on my neighbor's Wi-Fi. Wait, Blue Mountain State? Is that like the high school football show? Yep. Paul Walker in there? <laughs> no, but not Paul. He was dead uh, at that point. But um, no, no, he wasn't. Paul Walker died in like 2013. This is 2009. I'm yeah. talking about 2009. Paul Walker's the goat, the goat right. of bad acting. But We're not going to get to that pimp. shit. He's somewhere in heaven with I love Snape. Paul Walker. Come visit me in my sleep, Paul Walker. Actually, we will get to that because we do want to honor Phil's love for Fast and Furious. But that was a phase. I, I finally visited these with a clean slate. I got out of my pure Arnold Sylvester phase and I, I watched them. I could not stop watching Die Hard movies. I watched them start to finish, all of them that were out to that point. I watched Live Free Die Hard in theaters. I became a fan. I just, I don't know why I appreciate it. Speed, for me, it was 
was hard for me because I love Keanu. I'm such a lifer. I'm always going to go to Point Break, right? So I didn't love this as much as Point Break, but watching it for this podcast, I truly, kind of like Drew said, what a great pace. When you talk about action really pacing, is. it really keeps you in there. Dennis Hopper is just like- Great villain. So on oh, point. He, yeah, he brings this weird vibe of like educated, capable, but just like he he kind definitely conveys the, yeah, the, the fed up with the system, yeah, big it's, nerd. It shows you thing. that cocaine can benefit you. <laughs> it can really, later in your acting career, it gives you kind of an empty hollowness, yeah. you know, that you can bomb a bus. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you can be 65 and still have the energy of a 25-year-old just with cocaine. How would y'all feel about some randos? Let's randify. There's nothing randify. better than randos. We're going to start with speed here. They used 12 different buses for this movie. They had 12 <laughs> different buses, which is different than having, uh, imagine if they had 12 different Nakatomi plazas. They, uh, they had like two that were hydraulic, so the right wheels were hydraulic so that when they made sharp turns. They had two that were strictly for blowing up. They had like two sets of every kind of bus. The main bus, they had two main buses, though, for most of the filming. One, when Sandra Bullock is driving, what's funny is they made her get her license. So she actually had to get an official license like to CDL. learn how to... Yeah, I think that's what yeah. it's called. To officially operate it. But in the end, in the movie, they had a stuntman on top of the bus steering it. So she's pretending to steer while there's a stuntman. And there's, if you watch the special features, you'll see the stuntman with a steering wheel just on top of the bus steering it. Fascinating. Amazing, right? that Hollywood thinks of is, it's amazing. Yeah. Smoke and mirrors. Yes. We're just lucky to be here talking yeah. about it. Fuck making them. The coolest... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fuck making them. Fuck making them. The coolest bus was the one that they did most of the filming with. They ripped the front off and they built a platform and put a plastic bubble because he was, Jan DeBont, the director, was like, there was no space. It's a real bus. So like filming was really hard. Like we had, we only had so much space. So they ripped the front off. So anytime you're getting that front view of Keanu and and Sandra driving, they're filming from like a bubble and a platform. Oh, no way. So when you look at the front of it, it looks like a platform. They didn't have dash cams and 1992 or when was this movie? It would have probably been the, the size of a something large. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just kidding. Not what I'm oh. saying. But that's <laughs> cool. And the the the, uh, the scene with the ramp, the terrible freeway ramp scene was not scripted. Who's the director? Jan, Jan Debon. He saw the freeway thing and was like, we need to write that scene in. The freeway so that, bus jumping scene Shout out. Kind of right. makes was the movie, right? Can you imagine script? that movie without that scene? Like no, that was awesome. like the, the most tense moment. And we'll get to that because that, that scene really played into the favor of this movie. So that Good scene, uh, a number of circumstances came full circle for that scene to be possible. Okay, we'll talk number about that. Number of circumstances. That's exciting. <laughs> I, l- I love that you brought it up. Uh, another rando. The city of LA let them film on unfinished freeways for this. The city of LA seems to be DTF, know what I'm saying? Yeah, they need to They need to get it in order. Um, so, but what was interesting was is there were problems that came with this. So they had an unfinished freeway, which then they would let them film. But the problem was is because they were building out this freeway in real time, it created huge continuity issues. So what the crew would have to do is they would have to like repaint lines because they would be filming a scene. And in the movie, it's supposed to pick up at a certain point. But, but, but because overnight, the L.A. street crew had done work, the street didn't look the same. Oh, my god! So gosh. they would have to like repaint lines. They would have to create new. And so like they were constantly. Damn it, L.A. Get your shit together. Seriously. Tax dollars. Uh, but they kept having to like keep up with this crew that was working on it. And so the whole idea for that scene to do that epic jump came from the fact that they they were working on an actual
actual unfinished freeway. That's really real to life. Because in the movie, like they're like, but, but the freaking map says that the freeway yeah, finished. It says it's what done. The, yeah. Damn you, construction guys. Yeah, over budget and uh, not delivering on time. Construction guys padding the stats a little bit. A little bit. This was funny watching the special features, the stunt coordinators and the the film crew. The way they coordinated these stunts, they used Hot Wheels and chalk. No That's way. You've got the real cars in the streets they're using and the buses, the 12 buses, and then you got over here on the sidewalk, literally during the special features, you have this little like two by two space where they got little Hot Wheels and little toy buses and chalk and they're drawing the streets. And so that's the way they actually showed all these stunts and all these scenes was by using Hot Wheels. Every, this is what's crazy, every scene that after they start the, when once Keanu's on the bus, 50 stuntmen at a time working at the same time and each one had to have a plan B because they knew for a fact that some someone's going to get a blowout tire. Something bad's going to happen. When the shit hits the fan, plan B. And that means steering this way, stopping. Like, every stuntman had a plan B to make sure that if something did hit the fan, nobody died. So, really wow. crazy stuff. That's big scale. What do you mean? What, where were these stuntmen? Driving vehicles, operating vehicles. Like, yeah. ne right next to the bus? Yes, correct. Ah, okay. So, wow. so, anytime something would go wrong, they had to know what plan B was because if something went wrong, they knew they needed to go this way so they don't kill the stars. Got it. Stuff like that. If this tire blows, I'm here to... Got it. We talked about this a little bit with The Matrix, but Keanu does a lot of his own stunt work, and I, I this may be where it started. He, you know, the scene where he actually jumps onto the bus from the Jaguar? He did that. They built a platform, and they built it out from the door so that if he did fall, he would land on this platform. But he did all, most of his own stunts. In fact, they had to, like, talk him down. They're like, okay, we love that you want to do all your own stunts, but, but we can't let you do all of them. And that's one of the reasons I love the guy. You know, his dedication to acting, his love for stunts, and I think later, when we talked about The Matrix, he had to get neck surgery. I just think he's been very physical. Mm -hmm. He feels it, man. I love that about him. Keanu was actually under that bus. Now, they had a lot of wires, right? Gosh, they were connected, dude. but he was actually under that bus doing that stunt, so he was going, they were going full speed, and he was actually what under a maniac. It. Easy. But he said, Jan DeBont said, even though it was kind of risky having Keanu do all of it, he loved how real it made it feel. His, his dedication to doing the stunts, it made it feel like it was really happening, and it adds to the reality of the film. That was Jan's. I love it when there's a J name, but you gotta say Jan. Giannis. Like let's, let's talk about that for 30 minutes. Um, Jesus. In the original script, Harry, Jeff Daniels' character, which, Phil, I hope you shit on Jeff Daniels a lot today like you did in Dumb and Dumber. Drew, you mean? I'm Drew, you motherfucker. Oh. oh! What did I say? You said Phil. You and called also, him Phil. Also, Jeff God. Daniels is the shit in this movie because yeah. he didn't try to make jokes. Oh Carry on. I hope you shit on him. He just tried to thwart terrorism. I just love it when Drew hates on Jeff Daniels in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> that was one of my I favorites. I love Jeff Daniels. By the He's way, just not funny. That's all. He's an amazing actor. How much was everyone dying? Dying at the fact that he was named Harry in this movie and also <laughs> Dude, in Dumb and Dumber. I actually, I actually had the thought, maybe in some alternate universe, he just like, Harry in Dumb and Dumber just got his shit together and got a job in this movie and that's him. Or that was like his disguise to get out of the business of being I, a bomb engineer. I had this is like the Dumb and Dumber Hard universe. I had this mental image. <laughs> Dumb <and> <laughs> <laughs> Speed and dumber. I have this mental image of Jeff Daniels reading the script for that film and being like, Harry? Again? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> just like getting real pissed at the like do I just look like a Harry? So in the original It was the same year too, I think. Yeah, it was Close. they were within spitting. Sorry, yeah, of each I other. said dumb and dumber hard. This is not that hard. This is speed. Yeah. Speed and dumber. Wherever the old fashions go, we follow. Yeah. <laughs> speed and dumber. In the original script, though, he was the bad guy. <laughs> what? I actually saw that. Yeah. That's so cool. They wanted 
wanted Harry, I'm, Jeff Daniels' character, to be the bad guy, and the bus, the minimum speed threshold was originally 20 miles per hour. Not as, not well, as, exactly. not as exciting. It's not hard to stay above that, so, you know, that wouldn't have been as cool of a movie. I mean, all of a sudden, you're like, hey, uh, don't don't drive through that yellow. Yeah, you know? I, I can see. <laughs> I, I would have been all about that twist, though, where Harry was the bad mm-hmm. guy, though. Or evolve somehow. That yeah. would be great. I, agree. I can see the boardroom meeting around the speed limit for this movie. Like, I see that the speed for this bus is 20 miles per hour. Perhaps we increase to 50. How does everyone feel about that? I'm so glad that the wow, German that scientists surreal. stopped by. So Stephen Baldwin was, a lot of people were considered. I always love how Keanu Reeves is never like the front runner for the amazing iconic roles Stephen that he's Baldwin played. Stephen Baldwin would have sucked. <clears throat> Agreed. I love Stephen Baldwin for different reasons. I don't. Ball- Fuck that guy. Biodome. Eh. That's a stupid shit movie, but the comedy's great. I think he turned down mm. this movie for Biodome. That would be yeah, hilarious well, if You know did. what? Good for him. He deserves Biodome. Yeah, eat some <laughs> Cheetos. Some purple sticky punch. Yeah. Some people they considered for the role of Travin. Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, which would have been stupid. Yeah. Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson were all approached to play the lead. But Jan DeBont, he, after he saw Keanu in Point Break, he knew he was the guy. Keanu was the guy for that movie. That's when I knew he was my guy, too. This is kind of funny. Halle Berry turned down the role of playing Annie, Sandra Bullock's role. I don't know how this bodes for Sandra at the time. We know she has a great career now, but at the time, this is the list of people that turned down the role of Annie. Halle Berry, Meryl Streep, Kim Basinger, Ellen DeGeneres was the lead pick. They wanted Ellen DeGeneres. I think they wrote the script for her, from Mm. what I heard. Has she acted a lot? Oddly enough, Uh, I'm I'm simulating that in my mind. She played a fish. Good for her. Hey, she was great as Dory. Yeah, I don't want her in my action films, okay? You just keep playing your fish. All right, Die Hard Randos. Nakatomi Plaza is actually Fox Tower in real life. Interesting. So, I don't know if that's a political message or... Just kidding. Um, Like Fox, the broadcasting network? Okay, side note. Yeah, you can actually go see it. You can just like go and see it. There's Whoa, a- it's the Die Hard building. But also, growing up, always seeing the movie poster, never having seen it, I always thought it was the Two Towers. Oh, interesting. Because it kind of looks like, I don't know if you can see it. Well, if you're listening, just Google the movie poster, but it looks like the World Trade Center. It mm-hmm. does! It and does. there's like an explosion at the top. I'm like, wow, that well, was that's... like weirdly kind of creepy. Die Hard always manages to do that because in two, when we watched it and they crashed, the terrorists crashed a plane. Yeah, like, they hijacked a plane. They're just constantly Keeping it like, <laughs> well, it's nauseating. Oh my gosh, Yon DeBond is a terrorist. No, they're just after the money. Yeah. Oh, Yon I had to do a little digging because he has one of those names that you're like, oh, he seems familiar. He was a famed cinematographer, but he also directed Twister. Oh, which is funny. I, I love Twister. I know it's not a good movie, but I love it. When was the last time you saw that movie? Two years ago. Okay. I love that movie. Close enough. I used to be into tornadoes. I love it in principle, but I watched it very recently and it was it was cheesy as hell. Um, but he was also a cinematographer on Die Hard in the, spe- in the special features he talks a lot about how his experience on Die Hard how he learned wow things. that's cool yeah very cool he also produced Minority Report so in case you didn't know all about his resume I just gave you one third of it so originally Die Hard was based on the book Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe in the book he's like a dirty hairy type real stiff real gritty and so Jan DeBont's the one that made the decision to say let's make him more no <laughs> not Jan DeBont what the fuck am I talking about <laughs> Jan Dubont. All right. It was McTiernan's idea to make him more of the everyman. So they read the book and said, we don't we don't need another Dirty Harry. And this is kind of plays back into that evolution of action films. But they didn't want another Dirty Harry type. They wanted an every every type of every Joe American guy. So that was a decision that, that he made. Also, another big decision that McTiernan made, and this is really crucial for the film, the book is about terrorists. And when they were trying to plan what this film would be about, McTiernan said, terrorism isn't fun. It's too dark. You can't have fun with it. Let's make them robbers. And 
and so European robbers as opposed to what the, it's in the book, which is terrorists, which I haven't read the book. But That was a good twist. I like that. I agree. To, yeah, it, to your point, it's way easier to enjoy because I was enjoying the hell out of those villains. And then I was like, but they're so evil. My God. But then they're like, oh, they just want money. Okay, well, who doesn't? Right. Yeah, and I think what it does is with Alan Rickman, it, it gives you a little bit of tension because you're like, you don't exactly know what's motivating him throughout the film, but you can't help but like think a little bit like, well, he's not horrible. They also all looked like they were in an 80s hair metal band. Yes. Like they could have been in, in Sebastian <laughs> yes. Bach or something like that. Can we talk about the gray sweatpants never looking so good on a person? One Who's of the, wearing these? The bro older brother of the long-haired dude. He had the big aviator glasses. He had a oh, is he the one that comes up at first one? He's one of the first dudes that, that McClane takes out. What's his on like out. the 32nd floor and he's mm. like, oh, is it Carl? Am, yes. Yeah, Carl. He has amazing sweat. Never have gray sweatpants look so good Brother on of Fabio later on in the movie. Good enough. Lots of Fabio. This is a really weird fact and I don't even know what the impetus for this is but the first person they wanted to cast for McLean was Frank Sinatra. Interesting. What? How old was he? He was in his 70s I believe. Yeah, 74 or something like what? that. What? Yeah. I don't even, does he even have acting credits at this point? I mean, I'm not going to pretend uh, to know because I'm not a Sinatra guy. He's some films back in the day but like. I'm confused. Anyway, that's a rando. Yeah, that's a dope rando. Originally, dope. Clint Eastwood owned the rights to the book Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe. He was the one that was originally going to make the film, but he ended up selling the rights for Die Hard to happen. Um, but originally, he owned the rights to the book, and he was going to make the original Die Hard. It probably would have would have been pretty good. If you think about a lot of actors that turn directors, that guy hasn't done a lot of bad stuff. I can't think of one bad thing I've seen that he's either directed or been in. There were a lot of A-listers that were considered to play the role, though, after Sinatra. So we had Sylvester Stallone, Harrison Ford drew. I could see Harrison Ford yeah, in that. Totally. For sure. Robert De Niro. God, does Robert De Niro appear in every possible casting call? on this Pretty podcast. Much. Everybody just calls him just to make sure he won't be there. We just want to make sure if you're not in a Scorsese film right now, we would like you. Uh, Charles Bronson, Nick Nolte, Mel Gibson, Richard Gere, Don Johnson, Burt Reynolds, God. and Richard Dean Anderson. Wow. All before they called Bruce Willis. Isn't that weird to think Poor that at, at one point Bruce Willis was not, not only not the second or third call, but he was like not a call? Can you imagine anyone else saying you just got butt-fucked on national or television? Or Dwayne! I know. <laughs> Best line in the whole movie. Now, this one bugs me a little bit, but for a funny reason. Hans Gruber, the first person they approached was Sam Neill. And what's funny for me is the first thought I had, well, he terrorized his number one kid fan in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he would have done great based on his performance I mean, if, of if, if the IRA is taking over the building, for sure. <laughs> Last rando, the credit for Die Hard's famous yippee ki line actually goes to Bruce Willis. He was just messing around. He just said it because he thought it would be funny. He was just trying to crack up. He literally wasn't like, oh, you should do that. Wow. I feel like in this podcast throughout all the episodes, there have been so many mentions of improv lines or just stuff that was not in the script that became yeah. absolutely monumental. Leave the gun. Take the yeah, cannoli. Leave the gun, take the cannolis. And that one bigger from boat. Jaws. Bigger boat. There you go. But my favorite quote of the movie, come out to the coast. We'll have a few laughs. It'll be great. Or anything Ellis says, because he's a coked up businessman, which I love a coked up businessman. I don't know why. Also, shout out to Argyle. Just getting shit faced. Dude, just in the limo I, for no with real the teddy reason. Bear, yeah. He knows how to use time. He's not just sitting in the front seat waiting. He is like, <laughs> I loved it. I was is, I was a fan. This is me. Time. He had no other job that day. Just sit there and just I thoroughly wish I could enjoy the dead moments as much as Argyle. I know. Because he want, just makes the most of them. He's a friend we all need. Shall we Teach war? Teach us how to live. Let's war hard. Let's <laughs> war hard. Yippee Kai war. 
<laughs> that was lame. <laughs> Yippee Kai War. That's just That's so two old fashions for you. Um, Yippee Kai War, mother father. We're going to start where we always start. Best top bill cast. Drew, kick us off. Pop quiz, hot shot. Just to clarify, Die Hard, that would be Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, and Bonnie Bedelia. Although I don't know how you don't put Reginald Bell Johnson in that concert. Seriously. Seriously. <clears throat> okay, we'll say those four <laughs> against Keanu Reeves, Dennis Hopper, and Sandra Bullock. That is, that's a tough That's a tough matchup. one. When you boil it down like that, Drew. Go it's ahead, very, tell us what you think. very, very difficult. But I will say, I think I have to go Die Hard. Because Alan Rickman, I mean, oh. he created an, just like, much like Die Hard was the archetype for a certain genre of movies, Rickman created almost like an archetype for a character. Like he was, wow, how yeah. many times was he ripped off throughout the ages of just John that villain? McLean. Uh So I think he carries that team. Like, I mean, it's it's a great cast. Bonnie Bedelia, you know, she was fine. Reginald Vell Johnson went on to, he went on to have an amazing career with his TV show, but Alan Rickman, Die Hard. Reginald like, was kind of your boy. Every time we watched Die Hard, you were like, yay! What's the, what's the days go yeah. It's the bigger love of the, the family. family. <laughs> you guys are killing me. Whatever happened to predictability? The, the milkman milk oh, and the people <laughs> boy. It's full house. <laughs> Different yeah, show. Sorry. <laughs> Wrong show. Anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. Alan Rickman, Day Hard. Day, day Hard. Die Hard. Day Hard. Good stuff. Got to agree with the Die Hard thing. Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, Bonnie Bedelia. Eh. You know, she was in Parenthood, and that's good and all. But Alan Rickman, it was close to being over the top with him, but he was still so good. He developed that whole idea of the button-down, sophisticated criminal. Like, he had it all planned out. He was dressed to the nines. He looked great. He he talked like somebody who knew what they were doing. Like, when he got caught, he kind of put on the show and convinced Bruce Willis that he was just, you know, some random schmuck who got caught up on the top floor of the building. Yeah. yeah. That was so good. Clay. Well, and also... When he goes Southern? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was going to talk about that. I love Billy when Clay my name is or whatever. Clay. Oh, please don't shoot. Don't shoot me. Yeah, his southern accent was terrible, but you know, in the moment Bruce Willis They almost is- took that out, by the way. He wanted to believe him. They weren't impressed with the southern accent. They almost took that out. Yeah, and also, how can you... You can't deny the lead man who says, yippee Kaye, motherfucker, and you just got butt-fucked on national TV. <laughs> Dwayne! Is that your favorite so, quote of dude, any movie? Because you just going back to it. The way he says it, it's like, well, yeah, you just got butt-fucked on national TV, Dwayne! That it's quote like, is to fill what? Cans. They were just cans. cans, is to me. That's amazing. Die Hard, to me, takes that, and uh, that's not... I mean, once again, I say this every time, and it makes me sound like a cop-out, but not to take away from speed, Keanu, Sandra Bullock, Dennis, and Dennis Hopper. Hopper. Uh, shout out to Dennis Hopper. That's a strong trifecta. Dennis Hopper was fantastic in speed. Yeah, there was the scene in the subway where Sandra Bullock is handcuffed to the pole. Not stripper pole, but pole that you hold on to when you're on a subway, when it's full of people prior to COVID. A lot of poles. Um... And he's just waving the detonator in front of her, and he's like, Ah, listen, your boy Jack is gonna come back, and I've got this detonator. Dude, the way he executed that scene was like, I could have seen a lot of other ways that scene could have gone down, and the way he did it was just perfect. Dennis Hopper delivered a hell of a performance, but it's hard to deny Alan Rickman creating the sophisticated terrorist, and Bruce Willis... Hmm. saying yippee and and just being like the ultimate barefoot badass in that movie. So I go die hard. Little bit, lot more iconic. Oh, agreed. And and what do you watch? Speed at Christmas time? No, you watch fucking Die Hard. Do you? I do. 
that's a whole other podcast. I die hard for Die Hard. We'll do that one on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I, I love what you both said. It's it's hard when you're talking about the original, right? I mean, Die Hard represents so many new things for this genre that we all love, which is your everyday average Joe American, Bruce Willis, sophisticated European terrorists. All of a sudden, there's dimensions. All of a sudden, the enemy in a movie isn't just someone you want to blow up. It's someone that has dimension, has personality, which is weird to say because Dennis Hopper, like you said, Dennis Hopper really crushes it. He's so dauntingly passive about the horrible things that he does. It's like the perfect mix of like, oh, I'm just at my computers and I don't really care, but also I need this to happen. Like, he's like watching media coverage of the stuff he's doing. Yeah, like, he's getting like, he's kind of getting off on his own. Like, yeah. it's weird. So it's, it, this is really two great performances, but yeah, I mean, Rickman to me, it's the best performance in the movie. I just, I, I saw him, the first time I saw Rickman was in Dogma, Kevin Smith's movie. It's a Jay and Silent Bob movie with Chris Rock and Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. It's a really good comedy. He was great in that movie and that was the first time I'd ever seen him and then it, then I, when I finally went back in my early 20s to the Die Hard series I'm like whoa this dude's an actor like this dude's great and I just it's too iconic again Dennis Hopper great job Keanu I'm a lifer but we all know when you get Keanu you get Keanu Drew and I have been re-watching Quentin Tarantino movies you see Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction you see range you just get a lot of range from him again I love you Keanu we just don't get as much range you almost love that though you like Keanu fans go to Keanu movies yeah. for Keanu yeah like you don't want him to do something else. Yeah, we want him to do that. Willis, I mean, talk about like your your big entrance into film. I mean, this is the movie that he like people are like, oh, that's who Bruce Willis is. I mean, can it get any better in this genre? I mean, no. Interesting enough, though, the Facebook group went diehard, but by only one vote. That's really not surprising. Both casts are really strong. They both deliver great performances. You know, I, I can see very clearly. It's not like Gladiator Braveheart, where there were definitely some stronger aspects of each movie. Like both of these top bill casts were really top notch. They were top bell. <laughs> All right. So Die Hard 1-0. Best supporting cast. And I'll just say what Phil or what Drew said last time. Everybody that wasn't mentioned before. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Again, this isn't the national standard. This is the movie war standard. Phil, why don't you kick us off on supporting cast? Well, huh, you're really catching me off guard here, Kyle. I haven't had a chance to think about these. Um, <laughs> both movies, once again, had great supporting cast. We had the bus people on speed who were, uh, they weren't on speed, but they were in the movie speed. Um, they, they really turned in a great performance. They they conveyed a sense of terror and captivity quite well. Um, the guy who played the dude who pulled uh, Keanu Reeves out from under the bus was just top notch. However, in Die Hard, we had my boy Reggie V or Reginald Vell Johnson. You know, um, <laughs> he was he was great. He's oh, fantastic. He just pulled in a great. Oh wait, yeah. that's Full House again. Yeah. God, um, you guys are my sitcom melody guys, and I need I need you yeah. on top of it because I don't know these. Man, Reginald really does a great job, but ensemble wise, I think the supporting cast on the bus in Speed really delivered a complete performance. I think one of the best acting performances was when the woman got sucked under the bus and died. She really played a great. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Dead person getting sucked <laughs> under the bus and dying. So anyway, yeah, I, I think I give this to Speed, but by a, by by a hair. Yeah, this is tough, man. Drew, go ahead. This is tough, man. This is tough, man. You get it, Drew. Drew, you get it. <laughs> Nobody knows tough like my boy Drew. Yeah. <laughs> He's ready to get it, man. Uh, okay, so both, I think both supporting casts are pretty important. The whole bus crew, you need those guys. Very important uh, in speed. In Die Hard, 
I love the cop, just all the cops, the freaking Johnson and Johnson, everybody arguing over, you know, who's in charge. And also you got Jeff Daniels. So he's like kind wow. of there. We haven't really mentioned him even. Oh, wow. Right? How do I? So, yeah. just, <laughs> I just, by the way, I just by the way. It to speed, like, Jeff Daniels is so freaking funny. <laughs> you can't even bring him up. Yeah. The people on the bus were so great that I forgot about Jeff. What the fuck was uh, that? I forgot about Jeff. Anyway. So for me, because of Jeff Daniels not being funny and not trying to tell jokes, and Johnson and Johnson, who are freaking hilarious, yeah. I'll, I'll say Die Hard. Just like Saigon, hey, Slick. <laughs> I was in junior high, dickhead. Yeah. You know, it, this is tough, and sometimes nostalgia wins the day. And Did you both go Die Hard? Is that right? I went speed, but you went speed. just because of the bus. I'm going speed for full circle reasons. Wow. And I know that's not always a good reason. It's just like it's, you know, you always have a good reason not to vote for somebody or to eat at the restaurant you eat at. But there's there's two... <laughs> there's two... <laughs> I was going to eat at McDonald's, but I decided that their Chili's. burger wasn't what is that? strong Fuck enough. It. I'm going to Hardee's. Yeah, Take Hardee's me. is way better. To Chili's. We got two... You guys know I love nostalgia, right? The first yeah. podcast, you're like, do you have a favorite movie before 95? Nothing like, better than memories, know what I'm saying? We got two amazing, just kind of like recurring uh, actors here. Beth Grant, who plays Helen, the first lady that thinks she's going to jump off the bus and then yeah. gets blown up. She is the mom. She's Carly Jean's mom on No Country for Old Men. No way. Yes. And then we got Joe Morton, who's Dyson on T2. The wow. guy that creates Skynet. I just wow. love seeing these people in other movies. And he that's, looks familiar. Yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean, I do give it to Speed, but listen, Hart Bachner, which I'm not going to lie, I don't know what else you've done, but as Ellis, the cokehead businessman, who's going to make the deal? Like, I make million-dollar deals for breakfast. For breakfast. Whenever somebody says they do something for breakfast, I immediately don't believe them. Yeah, like, I think Happy uh, Gilmore... Do something for lunch. <laughs> I think Happy Gilmore teed it up the best. I think it's because like, breakfast is such an af afterthought. Yeah. I eat pieces point. of shit like you for breakfast. And he's like, you show me a person that gets shit done at lunch, that's the winner. That's Tiger Woods, Lance Armstrong. I almost said Louis Armstrong. Yeah, him too. <laughs> that's Louis all Armstrong. the Armstrongs. I see clouds yeah. blue. <laughs> <laughs> Graveyards too. <laughs> Bunch of people saying I hate you. You're such a. You're, you're making so me, much better at impressions than anyone I know. Again. Again. To myself. <laughs> what anyway. a horrible world. Anyway, I gave it to Speed for nostalgia. Were you going to say something more? <laughs> no, I'm just dying at Phil's impressions. Phil, you're great. Thanks for being here. Yeah, man. Showed up today but, out of the goodness of my heart. <laughs> How did you just? You're just so ready with that perfect gurgle, the Louis gurgle. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Okay. So even though I'm giving to speed, there are some other shout outs though. We got William Atherton as Thornburg. He was in Ghostbusters. He was the guy that uh, that comes oh, no in. Way. He comes in to shut him down. Remember, he's the guy that's like he's the government guy. He tries to shut them all down. And what's wow. his name? Because he has a funny name that Bill Murray makes fun of. Hey, can we eat real three part harmony conf confession hour? One, two, three. Confession hour. Oh, thanks for being there. Um. Anyway, I've never seen Ghostbusters. Get Boom. the fuck out of this room. I just saw it for the first time with my boy Kyle. Oh. Like, Maybe what six months ago, eight months ago? Yeah, I'm talking? just writing down Phil's his yeah. list. Did I just lose a letter off my name? No, you're these are your pink slips. All right, just fair kidding. enough. There are some notable shout outs here, though, in Die Hard. Besides Reginald, we got Paul Gleason as Dwayne T. Robinson, kind of the dumb lieutenant type. I love that. William, uh, William Atherton, who was Peck in Ghostbusters, I love that appearance. He's the journalist, and he's the journalist in two, right? Two, he gets pit, he's on the plane at the beginning. Like, I love that. So, we got some great supporting cast members here, but I got to go speed here. All right, we're tied. 
All right, but we're two Early categories on. in. All right, let's get to a bro category, and I love this one. Best action cop name. We got John McClane. We're only talking names here, okay? So subtract everything else you know. John McClane versus Jack Traven. Is it Traven? Traven. <laughs> I think you just answered the question. <laughs> yeah. Name. John McClane. Let's get, let's get Do real. Do we need to explain? Can we you just our... asked me what's his name, and I, earlier in the podcast, I asked you what his name was. Yeah. yeah. Can we just... I would never ask who but John McClane is. There is John some... fucking McClane. There is some something to be said though for action movies they beef up the naming they're like we got to name this main guy something masculine jack so, trevin just sounds made up yeah i know I've never john mcclain i feel like i could know john mcclain like that's a you know he's got that irish name yeah. his name is john like you know and we're still we're we're seeing Agreed. the sixth and seventh diehards being made where speed two came out and people were like that's horrible and yeah never it was on it a again. cruise yeah, ship not even keanu wanted anything to do with that shit. yeah mcclain is is in the echelon of iconic i'm films. not going to complain about John McClane. No. So we're all going. That was easy. John McClane. We're all going die hard there. That was a stupid category. Can we talk about what a stupid fucking name Jack Traven is? (laughs) It is stupid. I hate that. Traven! It's like you don't want to call him Jack Travis, so you change the S to an N. And if it tells you anything, the Facebook group 100% went John (laughs) McClane. Thank you, group. We align with you. There was, there Great was group no, of greatness. No hesitation there. All right, best playground. Now, this is where it gets tight. Ooh. We're talking about the bus versus Nakatomi Plaza. We got, you know, we talked about tropes earlier. Playgrounds are very important for the quintessential action film, Drew. What do you think? Best playground for an action movie. That's a good category. Actually, at the beginning of Speed, I kind of got serious diehard vibes because yep, of the, the tower. Building, yeah. Like you're like you're in the skyscraper and the elevator shaft and all this stuff. And you're like, oh, okay, this is very derivative. Die Hard, I think, is more of a fun venue to just be in. Just because it's it's contained in a way, but there's also a lot of it's almost like playing Nerf as a kid. Like you're just like in a house and you're just kind of moving from room to room and evading each other and hope, you know, guessing is he around this corner, is he in this closet? Like there's a bunch Plus, it's like really tight. You know, it's very, it's very small. Um, and I love the way they used geography within the tower. Like, I mean, even just like the picture of the naked woman is like a, my first instinct. The first time I saw the pornographic picture was like, was that necessary? And then like the second and third time, I'm like, oh, they're using that for geography. So if the viewer knows, like every time he runs by that, this is what floor he's on, which I just love. Like from a directing standpoint, like using that, I think is genius. So I'm going to go die hard. I go die hard for similar reasons, but this was something that kept hitting me as I was watching Die Hard is that, I mean, this is the whole point of skyscrapers, but they take up such a small footprint on the earth, but the vertical nature of them makes them very complicated and and like if you were to spread them out across like you know linearly they take up a ton of space but it's vertical it takes up you know no space on the earth and one of the scenes in Die Hard there was a scene where there are cops outside or somebody downstairs and they were like oh oh when he's talking about uh, Argyle it's like did he hear the gunshots do you think he heard the gunshots and it's this reality that like if the building wasn't there he would have heard the gunshots but because there were 30 floors of metal and steel to get through Argyle's just sitting in the in the parking deck doesn't hear a thing cops downstairs doesn't hear a thing there's like no indication that from the 30th floor down that anything is wrong so a skyscraper is this you just blew my mind you blew my mind yeah the skyscraper is this amazing venue well the reason you just blew my mind is because of how speed is such a counterpart to die hard because Mm -hmm. just like in a skyscraper it takes up you know like i don't know 30 acres or not even like it's all contained in one small yeah. Pl- plot of land, but it goes straight up. And so there's just miles and miles. I mean, not 
literally, but there's a lot of space. Whereas speed is a tiny space that covers 50 miles and like goes across LA and around the air. Like it's like, it's almost like an inverse of each other, which is, I think, a thread we hadn't tugged at. Also, (laughs) this was something that was blowing my mind about speed is the damage caused by the bus far exceeds what that guy was asking for as a payout. So it's like, I totally subscribe to the concept of not negotiating with terrorists because it sets a bad precedent on and on. We don't negotiate with terrorists. However, they destroy hundreds of cars, an entire airplane, a bus, people die. Oh my gosh, the airplane. Yes. Yeah, trucks flip over, shit explodes, like so. The okay. millions of dollars in damage when Dennis Hopper just wanted 3.7 million it's like just write the check yeah it's like they cut off their nose despite their face with that one it's it's kind of like it kind of depends on your principles but the collateral damage from that one bus in speed is in the tens of millions yeah i I don't i'm confused by the plane at the end why use like why include that because Because when i first watched it and shit explodes when i first watched it i didn't catch that it was a cargo plane i thought it was a passenger plane with like 300 passion passengers or whatever same it was totally a cargo god yeah. which would that have been a better ending what a passenger plane like yeah. the, the bus survives but then like it would have it would 700 have been, passengers just explode it would have made it a commentary on roll. law enforcement it, like that you know yeah you get so zoned in or myopic on a goal that you burn everything around you at a greater expense to get this one thing that you're focused on so like, you're going die hard die hard all the way i go die hard too and and i think it's because the this is a situation where the environment really plays into who McLean is. Him walking through glass, him putting his body on the line. Like, we're talking about an everyday American. He doesn't have all the skills. He doesn't have the physicality, but he does have grit. And that's a necessity for him to survive in this environment. You know, I do think that Keanu Reeves and Speed does play into somewhat of this average person being represented because we're not seeing Arnold's muscles. We're not seeing Sylvester Stallone's muscles. But the scene where he's under the bus on the platform and they're driving 50 miles an hour, he's on it and he's trying to cut wires. All of a sudden, we're reminded, oh yeah, this guy's an op special. He's got all these skills. And it almost, like you said, suspension of disbelief. I forget for a second, oh yeah, Keanu has a lot of skills. He's kind of, you know, this is where it takes you back to traditional action land, whereas with Bruce Willis the whole time, you're just like, I don't know what's going to happen to this guy. I mean, he just feels like your average Joe. So this definitely goes die hard just because I think they use the playground as a way of showing who he is as a person and as a as a. Well, it also created a lot of mystery. It was like, what floor is he on? You know, that kind of yeah. thing. It's like, he's on the 32nd, or Alan Rickman, who's on the 32nd floor. Hello, cowboy. You've watched too many action movies. I don't know if that's a real quote. (laughs) Die Hard, three to one. All right, we ready for this? Phil, you kick us off. Keanu versus Bruce. Yeah, that's not tough at all. Oh, come on. Bruce Willis would beat Keanu's fucking face Mm. in (laughs) and then piss on his lifeless corpse. Why? The end. Huh? All right, well, okay. (laughs) Okay. Man, huh? you, better, you better have a reason. That was a big that was a big statement. Because you just got butt fucked on national television, <laughs> Dwayne. <laughs> Keanu didn't have any of those lines. He was like, oh, maybe the bomb's under the bus. What do you think, Jeff Daniels? <laughs> Always being, you know. Of all the shit that happens in the movie, you just keep going back to that one line. Because <laughs> it was so powerful. 
Dude, Bruce Willis single-handedly takes down yeah. a bunch of baddies in a freaking maze of a skyscraper, then gets on the roof. Dude, I mean, his his whole commentary with the law enforcement people, quit jerking me off, lady! There are freaking active shooters here, or whatever he was saying, screaming into the microphone. I loved how they got the bureaucracy, too, of, like, law enforcement and emergency services into play, like, the commentary on, like, this dude is talking about there are shooters, there are terrorists, and she's more concerned about the line he's using than, you know, what, you know, the protocol, he's he's breaching protocol. They just hang up and call 911. It's like no consideration <laughs> of the fact that he's isolated on a roof with a walkie-talkie. Maybe that's the only fucking method he's got. Yeah, Bruce Willis, he overcame all odds and dominated. Fucking Keanu got on a sled under a bus. But would John McClane just randomly answer a payphone that you just heard ringing next to a bus? I'm not sure anyone would randomly answer a payphone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, that was pretty opportunistic of him. I do think what puts John McClane slightly over the edge is his sense of, uh, as serious as it is, he's still flippant. The yippee kaye is the, come out to the coast. Like, he's just very, you know, like, glass, who gives a fuck about glass? Like, he's just very, uh, I don't know, loose. Whereas I think Keanu, Keanu stays poised, but also you can tell he's, he's stressed out. And Bruce Willis is like, eh, who needs shoes? Like yeah. I, I, you just find yourself pulling for him more than I think. Yeah, Keanu. but yeah, you're right. And and when Keanu starts destroying that part of the bus when he's pissed off and he starts breaking stuff, he definitely doesn't keep his composure. This is unfortunate for Keanu in my case because I am a lifer, but this isn't the full Keanu. You got Point Break and you got The Matrix, and then you got this thing. I just don't think this is his strongest thing. I just I just think this Whoa. is. Yeah, I just don't. This isn't my favorite performance by him. Um, you know, of all the performances I love by him, which are several, I just. I could do without this one. I'm just being honest. I hate to I hate to be critical wow. of my boy. Wow. Bruce Willis is just too strong. This is Keanu's weakest role versus Bruce. What? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm and I as a lifer, as a lover, I'm literally playing Cyberpunk, which has Keanu Reeves in it. That performance is better than him and Speed. Cans. Cans. They were just cans. I just I don't know. I I don't know why. I just don't. I, he's dainty. I just don't love it. What Keanu? Yeah, I just don't love. I, he's great in it, but it's not his top. It's just not even tops. This is just Bruce Willis. At full speed, full strength, oh, full speed. <laughs> Hold on, okay. P point Break, The Matrix, John Wick franchise. Mm -hmm. this Bill is, and Ted. Bill and Ted. I was just gonna say Bill and Ted. <laughs> so this comes in at five. Yeah, this, yeah. Okay. Bruce Willis is just yeah. manly as hell, though. I mean, he's got walking over glass and then dragging himself with his feeding, his bleeding, bleeding feet dragging on the floor. I mean, just awesome. Glass shards out. Side note: Do feet really bleed that much? That was I a lot of blood for it feet without I mean, killing someone. Yeah. yeah, that dude was dragging like. Blood would definitely be darker because your extremities don't get as much much oxygen circulation. That was like so a quart of blood, okay? More of a dark crimson color. Yeah. Yeah. More of a red wine. And I love how he's acting like he's in so much pain, but then when he gets on the phone with Reginald and he's like pulling the glass out haphazardly, he's like, oh, you know, man, yeah. And he's like acting like it's not a big thing. But before that, he was dragging himself and, ah, you know, just a little weird. Dwayne. All right, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> you just got butt fucked. You just got, you just got butt fucked. <laughs> on national television, Dwayne. Man, Die Hard jumping out here, four to one. Now, when I wrote this category, I, I almost thought this was too lopsided, but after we 
we've talked, we got best villain here. We got best villain. I'm going to kick us off here. I feel bad for Hopper here because Hopper puts on a great villain performance. Might be the best performance in the whole movie. But Rickman, it's just too innovative. It's too original, too iconic. And he's just so good. And I love it when he, you're a cowboy. When every time he says the word cowboy in the movie, I'm just like, I am into this. I love it. So I'm going die hard. You could almost say that this role, this portrayal by Rickman is the greatest villain of all time. You could make that case. You could also make the case that Rickman is the greatest actor villain of all time. So yeah, I mean, Hopper was fantastic, but Rickman, hands down. Before I give this to Alan Rickman, now you know the end of the story. Something I really appreciated about the sociopathic nature of Dennis Hopper's character was how he had so many displays going in his little command center and he's he's watching football and like actively yeah. engaged. He's like cheering people on and pissed off when they don't get the touchdown. And then he's we watching- we find out what game, by the way? Oh, I don't remember. Because Die Hard, it was like Notre Dame, USC. Yeah. Yeah, on it, Christmas Eve. It was an NFL game of some kind, but I, I just love the scene where the guy's about to score a touchdown and he gets tackled to the goal line and Hopper is pissed. And then he's watching the news reports, watching the helicopter feeds, and then watching the little hidden camera feed on the bus. It's a game to he's him. has got a lot going on. And he does it well. But man, Alan Rickman redefined the bad guy in that movie. Sophisticated, well-dressed, well-spoken, intelligent, purposeful, broader international picture. He wants his comrades free then he's got the accent and all it's like dude alan rickman just he really knew how to play the villain that you wanted to love but you just couldn't because he was the bad guy and that goes when he was going through that alan crowd rickman. naming facts about him graduate like of and then when he kills him like, he won't be joining us for the rest of his life dude like, it ah! was so dismissive that that was a chilling line uh he won't be joining us for the rest of his life <laughs> So good. And not to go back to, I know, I'm, yes, I'm reading the Arnold book and we made fun of me earlier for Why talking about Arnold again. do we keep talking about Arnold? <laughs> because <laughs> Arnold played the Terminator and the Terminator was what a villain. Fuck does that have to do and with he it? was on the rise as a star and he had to negotiate in his mind in 84. He was like, <laughs> do I really want to take a dip in my career and play the villain? Playing the villain was not something that A list oh, actors I see did. I see where you're going. Yeah, oh, I see, it just yeah. wasn't a thing. And he had to consider in his mind, he talks about this in the book. He's like, if I play this guy, I mean, is my career over? You know, it's like A-list actors didn't, agents were like, don't play the villain. That means your career is on the way out. Alan Rickman walks up and he's like, here I am, baby. Classical actor. He just, he owns it so much. I mean, I just love it. And it, it gave this advent to, now I'm like, well, which of my, fav which of my favorite actors do I want to see play the villain? So that went die hard, pretty hard. I can hard. teach you how to bewitch the mind and ensnare the senses. I can tell you how to bottle fame brew glory and even put a stopper in death <laughs> alan rickman severus snape the first harry potter movie fuck with my boy people are probably like who's playing why are they playing a movie quote all like why are they playing a clip from the film all of a sudden we won't be getting to that we'll we'll be getting to harry potter harry potter okay sure, I'll, gotta take, be. I'll take the challenge <laughs> i'll yeah. take it i won't be reading the book the wizard's challenge <laughs> Quidditch. The Quidditch Cup. How did I remember Quidditch? I read the first two. That was it. It's a weird name. It's that weird. was it? You read the first two books? That was... The books are far better than the films, and That's the films are something. pretty damn good. You read so. two full books about it? Yeah. All right. I like reading. I read Fair. every day. Enough. Right. This is my favorite bro category. Let's Which would it. make the best video game? I'm going to start off. I think they'd both be awesome. Like, if you told me there's a video game based on speed and Die Hard, I'd want to play both, but Die Hard is, is just too fun of a playground in the movie. I just think... Did you just, like, tee this up for Die Hard? <laughs> no! 
I didn't. Like, these I, are, I'll go speed. I actually would okay. rather play. Tell me why. I would rather drive the bus through LA and not be able to stop and find a way to keep the bus from flipping over and destroying yeah. people. That, that's a fun game. Like I wouldn't, you wouldn't play Kiana. You'd play a, someone always driving the bus, keeping it at a certain speed and never being able to stop or hurt people or whatever. It'd be like crazy taxi. Almost. Yes. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be fun. What was that? Uh, the one you mentioned in the Hellcab. last one? Hellcab. It's like Hellcab. <laughs> oh, Hellcab killed yeah, me. Yeah, I'll go speed. 90 speed. Okay, I like that. Hot take. I go Die Hard just because of the stealth and like your that game. It already mm. pretty much exists, and it's called Metal Gear Solid. I mean, you're you're in a facility. You're trying to eliminate the bad guys without killing them or getting detected, but you're mm. trying to you know free prisoners and things. Um, I go Die Hard just because that would be my gaming preference. But either one would make a fantastic. Game. Yeah, they would. Or they could both make terrible games, depending on who developed. Yeah, it's yeah. true. If we the game Ko- movie Kojima inverse in is a uh, tricky equation. Maybe Kojima. Yeah, there's not a lot of properties that make it. Like I played the Mad Max game. It was it was not that fun. All right. Biggest flex. Bare feet on glass versus under the bus. Both are pretty big flexes. I mean, I know the glass barefoot thing is like iconic. Like that's that's what you think of with McLean. But dude, the scene where he's, I'm just going to get on the thing. And he also did the stunt. Keanu did the stunt. So I mean, there's a lot there. Phil, what do you think? I actually will go Keanu here um, under the bus because I feel like in the moment, the feet on the glass thing, I hate to say it. I'm going to, you know, piss a lot of people off here, but I feel like that was a little contrived. He could have taken his shirt off and wrapped his fucking feet and walked across the glass. That is not as big of a risk as volunteering to get on some bizarre sled under a bus to dismantle a bomb. That it takes some freaking balls of steel right there. Walking across glass, yeah, that's tough, but there are ways around it and he didn't take them. You're Uh, under a moving bus that can't go less than 50 mm -hmm. miles an hour and there's a bomb under it. Like, what other choice do you have? I I go speed there. Of all the people that he encountered, Mm -hmm. he couldn't have just, like, used their shoes? Yeah. Like, knocked them out and took them, like, I I'm just confused, I guess. The shoe thing, it felt like an unnecessary shtick or something. I don't know. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I go Weird speed. cross-dressing moment. If I have to take the trash out and my shoes aren't anywhere near, I'll slip my wife's shoes on the tip of my feet and hobble out to the garbage can. We've all done that. Yeah. Anybody yeah. who's married has done that. I can't because my I wear 14s. My wife wears 8s. I wear 13s. My wife wears 7s. So it's the same difference. I don't know how you do that. How do you, It must be hell living in that It's house. not fun, but, uh, you know, you, you just don't want to get your feet or socks wet. You just do what you can. You do you what can. you got to do. You got to keep the love alive. I actually went speed here too. I just love the responsibility. He's just like, you know what? Dude. I'm just going to get on the sled and I'm going to get under the bus. I'm just going to do man. it. I'm Don't get dead. Just really Great good. Quote, by the way, I love that. Don't get dead. Love it. Yeah, no, I go I go the same way. Although I do have to give give a nod to how iconic the barefoot. I I, I know you you kind of said it's like a kind of a weird trope. To me, when I think of Die Hard, I think of the fact that he's not wearing shoes and he's wearing his wife. Is it a trope? I don't think it's a trope because it's stupid. Not no, a trope. Nobody else but, uh, did that again. I misspoke. Not a trope, but it's what, what I think of when I think of Die Hard. I don't know. I don't know. A shtick or a gimmick or something, but I don't know. A shtimic rope. <laughs> well, speed gained a point. Ooh. It's six to two here. It's gaining speed. This was Drew's idea, and so we're going to let him kick off. Best white shirt arc. <laughs> Oh, man. They, By the way. Okay, they both just start out with these crispy, clean white shirts. You know, you got the Willis's beater. You got Keanu's crew nut. Crew nut? Crew neck. I could go for a crow nut right now. God, I, I would kill for a crow nut. I think the arc of Willis's beater is more, I mean, it goes from whiter to darker, I think. Yeah. But also something about beaters just feel a little bit white trash to me. I'm from Arkansas, so that makes sense. I, so I guess I go die hard, but I like crew necks better. So, Phil, what do you think? I go die 
Die Hard just because you notice the shirt in, dry, in Die Hard, <laughs> Dry Hard, um, Die Hard. Like I thought about Bruce Willis's shirt in that because everything on his person becomes a resource right, versus right, right. everything on Keanu's person is just an accessory that doesn't really play into the story. But like Bruce Willis's shirt becomes his shoes at some point. Which he could have fucking done when he walked over the glass. He didn't, but you know, I digress. I would say the arc of Bruce Willis's shirt is pretty epic versus Keanu's, which I honestly didn't even notice. So epic that in July, on July 12th in 2007, uh, John McClane's wife beater was inducted into the Treasures of American History exhibition. Wow. Yeah, it's worth $9 million. That's bullshit. No shirt is worth that much. Come Have on. you seen it though? It's worth whatever someone's willing to pay. This I is mean, true. It's true, but whoever wants to pay that dude. The picture on. I'm looking at, that shirt is sitting on a mannequin. It is dank. There are people starving in, in Detroit. Yeah, I, I mean, I go die hard. What are you I, doing, John? Again, the whole the whole idea, the walking on the glass, the wife beater. There's just so much so much icon going on here with Die Hard. It's just too. Yeah, I, I go die hard with ease. Poor speed here, Die Hard seven to two. All right, let's do our last category here. What's more realistic? This is another Drew idea. Cell reception in a parking garage or L.A. traffic allowing a bus to go unstopped for fifty miles. <laughs> This is a great idea, by the way. Well, I mean, just Argyle's just getting shmammied in the basement of some, <laughs> like, skyscraper on his giant walkie-talkie cell phone and just with ease. Car phone? We don't know what kind of antenna that Lincoln had in it. Right? Okay, True. fair enough. Fair True. enough. Meanwhile, a bus is cruising through L.A., which if you've ever been to L.A., you know that there's traffic and you would never be able to go more than, like, a mile, if that, without stopping. So I think both are insanely unrealistic. To Phil's point, I think, you know, a car phone, I guess, could explain it. I don't know. Does a most unrealistic win yeah. or does most realistic win? Yeah, most unrealistic win. Okay, then I guess speed wins. Yeah. Yeah, same speed. 50, I mean, that was actually a front of mind for me through the first half of that film was like, they're in LA, they're blazing through traffic, like, on ramp. Do I get on or off? On or off? There's no good option there. They're both filled with cars and somehow they jam this gigantic 40 some odd foot long bus through the freaking shoulder. Like, that was insane. And, and they maintained they... 50 miles an hour. And also, this bus, which is made of man-made materials takes the beating of a lifetime and keeps running. Diesel engines are pretty damn powerful, but come on. Well, and then just the whole bus jumping. He's like, it's an interchange. Maybe there's an incline. Is that a thing? Like, That's I don't understand. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, also, they hit the convenience. Stretch, and then you can just see it. It just, like, lifts off. And then apparently, uh, I did some, whatever, internet research about it. The bus that landed, like, just exploded. Yeah, it like, would it fell. Have. It just it got destroyed. Those tires, minimum the tires would have failed. And there was another camera in front of it set up to get the shot and that sh bus like landed blew up and took out the camera and so that's why you only get that wide shot <laughs> yeah. where you can just clearly see the bus hitting the ramp. Now they just do that with CG because lazy ass Hollywood. I think there's a lot of unrealistic stuff about the bus first of all and I read this on a on a Reddit comment. Reddit? But someone was like could they have just shot the tires out and just still kept the acceleration going at 50 miles an hour but there was a lot of, there's just a lot of things that could have been done maybe well, maybe not. Shot the tires out. On the bus. It would make sense that this comes from Reddit. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I know. The really, the most unrealistic part of Speed is Dennis Hopper is apparently a bomb genius. He, yeah. Howard Payne. And this is the thing it comes up with. It makes for a great movie, but if we're really talking about a guy who's really good with bombs and stuff, I mean, surely there's simpler, more horrific ways to use a bomb to get the three million that you want. I mean, the, why, why was the first thought, I'm going to take a public bus 
<laughs> put a bomb on there. Yeah. 50 miles an hour. It's a game to him. He's making like, rules. Should I put a bomb in Staples Center? No. I'm going to use a public bus. Because to Drew's point, if it, re- I mean, as difficult as it is to go 50 miles an hour consistently in LA traffic, you got to think that, that in real life, that bomb's going to go off soon because they're not going to be going 50 miles an hour no. long. You know what I mean? So that goes to speed. But it wasn't enough. Die Hard 7 to 3 wasn't as, wasn't as, wasn't as big as a gap as originally, but we even got, number categories again. We could have uh, theoretically had a tie. Yeah, God damn well, it, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> well, I delete categories along just the way. Just count your fingers, then add one. <laughs> This was a beating, okay? This was a beating. I did, I did delete a couple of stupid categories because we kind of went over them in the other ones. That's but fine. We had a beating here, and uh, well, let's. We didn't use all of the answers from the Facebook group, but on the last one, the last one they did was the best T-shirt arc, and they actually did go die hard on that. But let's go with preferences here. We'll close out with preferences. I'll start. I gotta go die hard here. Keanu Lifer. I, I love so many of his roles, but I just, I just didn't love him. I feel like you could have plugged anyone in here. Whereas with the Matrix and John Wick and Point Break, I don't think you could have swapped anyone out. Bruce. Willis, no one else could have done this. There was just some weird aligning of the stars happened. You got John McTiernan in directing. You got Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman. There's just too much good stuff happening here. Uh, Reginald, even the guy that played Ellis, perfectly done. One of those weird stars are aligning things. I got to go Die Hard here. I could watch Die Hard any any day of the week. I love the whole franchise. It's just too good to be true. Yeah, Speed, man, Speed is so much fun. The pacing is so fast and it's just, it's a great popcorn flick, but you know, it does doesn't exist without Die Hard. Die Hard is Die Hard for a reason. Uh, every script in L.A. after this was Die Hard on a Die Hard in a. You know, it, it created its own genre. It's classic, iconic, legendary. It is the action goat. Die Hard. I'll complete the trifecta here. Die Hard also, just because how many action films can double as legitimate Christmas movies? <laughs> I, okay, let's not like, get crazy. We watch it at Christmas. To us, it's it's right there next to the Santa Claus. When I'm done watching the bullshit from the Santa Claus, I put on Die Hard to remind me that I'm a fucking man. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, didn't it come out in July? I, I don't think barely it's a- say that with a straight There are a, Christmas movies and there are movies that come out around Christmas. But it's, it Christmas. takes place on December 24th. There's Christmas music playing in the background. They're at a Christmas party. There are people talking about Christmas. Dude, it's a Christmas movie. It's it's the great it's the great debate. Uh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I say hard yes. What Die was Hard it? yes. Die Hard yes. Because he sends the dude down the elevator shaft and it says like, now I've got a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho or whatever. I mean, that's it's just, it's a Christmas movie. It's, it's the best marriage of Christmas and violence, which, you know, to anybody who's ever been to a family Christmas gathering, they go together well. So uh, speed is fun. Speed is white knuckle, edge of your seat the entire time. It, it's relentless. It doesn't let up. But dude, I I die hard on the hill. Yes. Yeah, so uh, we, Dwayne, uh, again, two great Can. films to cans. We make million dollar podcasts for breakfast up in here. Bro. Yeah, that's right. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. I'm Kyle. My name is Drew. Die hard, baby. Drew, Phil, and I want to thank you for hanging out with us on the Movie Wars podcast. If you want to hang out with us until the next episode drops, find us on Instagram and TikTok, username Movie Wars Podcast. If you really love us and want to support us financially, we would love you back for it. Contributing to us on Patreon not only supports us financially, but it gets you access to private content that's not available to everyone. Thank you again for hanging out with Drew, Phil, and I. We love you. Have a great week.